Hey there, I'm Matthew Foley and this is ISO Insights, where God's truth grows in the midst of current culture, renewing the mind and spirit. Welcome back to ISO Insights. Uh, this time, we're actually doing something very different. This is our first time of doing a Skype broadcast uh, where we're basically streaming in Rod Saunders from Jew in Greek, his channel and his website on YouTube. Uh, and I'm very glad to have him. He's actually been a, a defender of Word of Faith, uh, Word of Faith doctrine, and he has been actually in that background for many years. He's went through Rama Bible College uh, under Brother Kenneth Hagen, and he actually has spent his time in the last few years on YouTube uh, interacting with discernment channels, different Christian YouTubers, and talking about misperceptions about Word of Faith teachers. And that's actually how I came across him. Uh, he, for years, has been in music. He's been working in IT uh, for quite some years. And we're very glad to have him here. We're going to talk about different things in his background, as well as what he's been doing on YouTube. Uh, he has actually, I do want to mention that he has written his first book, and it can be found on Amazon. It's called Defending the Faith. Word of Faith Apologetics. So, all that being said, Rod, it's excellent to have you on. Well, thank you, Matthew. Happy to be here. Yeah, and we can go ahead and dive into some personal questions. So I wanted to talk about, I've heard you mention on your channel before, that you grew up in a Baptist background, and you actually ended up coming into an Assembly of God church, and that introduced you into the charismatic movement, into the Word of Faith world. So what was that like? How did that change you, and what was the family dynamic? Yeah, that was uh, kind of a unique transition uh, back in the 70s. Um, everybody in my family was Baptist. Mm. And I was raised about as conventionally as a kid in the 60s and 70s in North Texas could be raised. Uh, I went to First Baptist Church, got baptized when I was eight years old. And uh, my Baptist pastor actually went on to become the president of the New Orleans Baptist Theological Seminary mm -hmm. for the last 20 years of wow. his career, Dr. Landrum P. Level II. So I grew up under a man of theology, and um, I, I, uh, I went to Sunday School Training Union, Royal Ambassadors on Wednesday nights, mm -hmm. I sang in the choir, I went to Vacation Bible School in the summer, so very conventional uh, upbringing. And I went I, I, for about a half a year there when I was 16, I stopped going to church because mm -hmm. I was just getting turned off by some things that I saw. And it was at that time that I met some kids from an Assembly of God church. And I started going to church there. And at first it was culture shock. You know, this mm -hmm. is 1974 and the Baptist and Pentecostals were completely <laughs> different back yeah. then. Yeah. These days, Baptists raise their hands in worship, mm -hmm. and uh, and uh, a lot of Pentecostal churches, they don't speak in tongues anymore. Mm -hmm. So there's really not as much difference. But back then, there was a stark difference. And uh, I was a little bit uncomfortable at first, but they kept sharing verses that I'd never heard before. And being raised Baptist, you're, one thing that's ingrained in you is the Bible is the Word of God. Mm -hmm. God said it, I believe it, that settles it. So when I saw all these verses about speaking in tongues and laying hands on the sick and they'll recover and lift up your hands in the sanctuary and bless the Lord, I saw all of this stuff was in the Bible, and it occurred to me that I've been in church my whole life. I've never heard any of this. Wow. So either the people in my old Baptist church didn't know about this or they knew about it and they weren't talking about it. Either way, that's 
troubling, you know? Yeah. So I, it, I had an epiphany. I said, for the first time in my life, I said, uh, maybe God's not Baptist. <laughs> wow. Maybe there's more to God than what I've been mm. led to believe. Mm. And, and I'm just, I've always just assumed the Baptists were right about everything. Mm. And, but maybe there's more to God than what I've heard. And I owe it to myself to go and check out what other people have to say because maybe they've got insight that the Baptists didn't have, you know. Mm. So I started going to this Assembly of God church. I started learning Pentecostal theology. And after a couple of years there, I was speaking in tongues. I was one of them. Wow. You know? What was it, that experience like? Just that, that, for that first time of it happening, was it, were you kind of in denial about it? What, did it surprise you? Yeah, I, I, well, it didn't surprise me. I was seeking mm-hmm. it, but it, it wasn't what I expected it to be, really. Right. Because being a Baptist and not knowing anything about this, I just envisioned that, you know, I was just going to be overtaken and not being in control of what mm-hmm. was happening. It was like mm-hmm. these words were just going to be coming forth and I wouldn't be able to shut it off, just like, mm-hmm. you know, a, a water hose or something. But it wasn't like that at all. It was about me yielding to the Holy Spirit. And I didn't have that many words at first. And I just, I thought, you know, is this me just doing mm-hmm. this or or is this really the Holy Spirit? And I, I went through a period there of, of not being sure about it. But the more I more I spoke in tongues, the more comfortable I got with it, and the more I began to have assurance that this is the the spirit of God. Mm. And uh, but anyway, um, that was uh, it was everything else just kind of happened within the first few months, as far as you know, lifting my hands and and uh, learning to sing the songs and clap along with the music, which you don't do in the Baptist church, at least you didn't back then. Mm-hmm. But that speaking in tongues, that was a real challenge for me. That was something I wasn't ready for for the longest time. People kept telling me, you need to get the baptism. When are you going to get the baptism? And I said, when I'm ready. <laughs> and uh, so, but, you know, I'm, I'm a real analytical person. Mm-hmm. And I don't rush into things. I'm not impulsive. And I know my family all thought that, you know, Rod just ran off with a bunch of uh, wild a people. Bunch yeah. of friends. Yeah, fanatics and it's all about emotionalism and everything. And that it was actually just the opposite. Mm. All, all the emotionalism and fanaticism to me was a little bit disturbing. Mm-hmm. But the the things I was learning about the Bible were intriguing. That's amazing. And I'd always wondered in the Baptist church. I'd always wondered we'd hear stories about miracles in the Bible, and I'd always wonder if God's the same. Then why don't we see these things today? Mm-hmm. That's and I would get answers. I, I, they'd say, well, we have doctors today, mm. like they didn't have doctors back then. You yeah, know? yeah. Or they had all these explanations, but it just never really made sense to me. And mm-hmm. eventually I started thinking about these issues on a different level. I'm no mm. longer a kid. you know. Now I'm 18 years old, and I'm mm. doing some serious thinking about these issues, and I'm thinking, you know, I don't think the Baptist answers are holding up. Mm-hmm. Wow. So, um, anyway, yeah. Not, Kenneth Hagin said one time, I just wanted to share this. Yeah. Uh, Kenneth Hagin had the same background as me. He was raised Southern Baptist, and then he was sem- Assembly of God. Really? And then he became Word of Faith Charismatic. Mm-hmm. So, I've, I, you know, I, I feel like I can identify with him in a, in a lot of ways. 
he said that when he was a Baptist and he started going to a Pentecostal church because they believed in healing, a Baptist man in his church told him, Kenneth, you keep hanging around those Pentecostal people. It's like playing around on a slippery creek bank. Sooner or later, you're going to slip and fall in. Wow. And he said, <laughs> it was absolutely right. <laughs> oh, and that's word. the way I feel. I, you know, I just kept hanging around these people. I didn't intend to leave the Baptist church. Mm -hmm. But the more I went there and the more I learned, the more I realized, I don't think I'm Baptist. Yeah. Yeah, and it, it took a couple of years, but uh, boy, I, you know, once I was speaking in tongues, there was just no going back. Mm. You know, um, I went to a Baptist private school from when I was a little kid, elementary all the way to high school, and from the Baptist background, the people that talked to me, I got had a lot of good friends, had a lot of training in the Word. Uh, but what's interesting is coming from Pentecostalism, you just don't hear most Pentecostals diving deep and learning, or at least when I was younger, you didn't, but uh, you didn't hear about them diving into Greek and Hebrew and doing a very thorough mm -hmm. grammatical breakdown. Baptists were doing it left and right. In fact, that, that's what mm -hmm. made you a successful Baptist preacher, was being very academically successful and devotionally successful. You could help people both with a deeper understanding about God's Word. But what's interesting is that today, as there's been an increase in the popularity of Pentecostalism in culture across the world, um, I wanted to talk to you about how you started your YouTube channel, why you started it, and I think it's related to the interaction. This is my theory. You can tell me if it's not, but I think it's based off of an interaction right now on social media between a Reformed and Calvinist uh, background of the church coming to grips with the rising of the charismatic movement. And I think that from what I've seen in your channel, you've answered a lot of the criticisms that a lot of the Calvinists and Reformed groups have of well-known charismatic ministers. But I want you to tell me, why did you start your YouTube channel? Yeah, well, you're partially right, but um, I have to go back mm. 30 years mm, to, to tell you the, the full story here. Um, I was out in Orlando, Florida back in 1993 when Hank Hanegraaff's book, Christianity in Crisis, came out. Mm. And now he was the he was the heir. Well, I would I shouldn't say heir. He took over the Christian Research Institute mm -hmm. after Dr. Walter Martin passed away, mm -hmm. and he became the Bible Answer Man. And he took a lot of the research that was done by people who Dr. Martin had hired, mm -hmm. all the research they did on the Word of Faith movement, and and he wrote a book, uh, just absolutely trashing the Word of Faith movement. Wow. And uh, so. And he was very popular back then. I mean, this is 93. This is before the Internet really took off, and a mm -hmm. lot of people got their theology by listening to the radio show, The Bible Answer Man. Mm -hmm. So uh, people in my church started asking me, you went to Kenneth Hagin's school. What do you have to say about what Hank Hanegraaff is saying about the Word of Faith movement? And I said, well, I don't know. I, mm -hmm. You don't really pay any, any attention to him. So I went and bought his book. And read through it to see what all the fuss was about. And I just, I said, well, this is garbage. This is a bunch of what we call logical fallacies, straw man attacks, mm -hmm. uh, red herrings, taking people out of context and stuff like that. And so I said, uh, somebody needs to respond to this. Might as well be me. You know? mm -hmm. So I wrote uh, a rebuttal 
to what Hannah Graff had said in that book and what he said on his Bible Answer Man show. And uh, I showed it to a few people in the church there. But I got the idea, you know, I should probably submit this to a book publisher. Mm -hmm. uh, Charisma Magazine is right there in Orlando and Strain Communications, and they have a book publishing division called Creation House. So I submitted it to them. I mm -hmm. said, hey, if you, if you need a response to Hank Hanegraaff, I, I wrote something up here. And they looked at it and they said, well, it's good, but nobody knows who you are, mm -hmm. so there's no market for any book by yeah. Rod Saunders, you know. So it never got published. And I just thought, well, you know, nobody knows who I am. I'm not going to get any books published. So I just kept the rough draft of it for years mm -hmm. and didn't really think anything more of it. I was busy with my career in IT and stuff. Then about 10 years ago, um, Amazon Kindle comes along mm -hmm. where you can self-publish. And a friend of mine told me about Amazon Kindle, and he said, I'm going to publish a book on Amazon Kindle. And I thought, you know, I wrote a book years ago. <laughs> but I've still got the rough draft to it. I think I'm going to self-publish. Mm -hmm. So I, uh, I updated that a little bit and published it on Amazon Kindle. And that kind of whetted my appetite to get back into the whole uh, mm. you know, theological discussion mm -hmm. thing. Because, you know, I, for years I didn't think anything about it. I was playing music on the side and working in, and working in IT, and I wasn't doing any, any Bible teaching or anything like that. And so uh, <clears throat> and now that I've got this book out there, I thought I should probably start a blog. Blogging mm. was still pretty big but mm -hmm. 10 years ago. It's not as much of a thing now, but uh, 2012, 2013, uh, when I started the blog, um, it was still pretty popular. So I, I started a blog, and I'm writing all these posts, and I'm not getting much traffic. And I thought, you know, everybody's going over to YouTube. Mm-hmm. You know, blogging is dying out. Everybody's going to uh, video. So I guess I'm going to have to get on YouTube. So I didn't know anything about cameras. I knew nothing about YouTube other than what I did on YouTube in the old days, back around 2007, 2008. <laughs> back then, you just took video on a digital camcorder mm -hmm. on tape, and then you load it through firewire into your computer it was just very basic compared to what people do today and you couldn't monetize it back then wow. and this is before google bought them out and monetized everything mm -hmm. so I, I i had to relearn youtube from scratch pretty much because it had changed so much from 2007 until 2013 yeah. or 14. i know it's like 2015 when i started on YouTube. Mm -hmm. So anyway, uh, I started addressing some of these issues and started watching videos mm -hmm. on YouTube about the Word of Faith movement. And I thought, oh my goodness, there's a whole new breed of heretic hunters on yeah. YouTube that I Absolutely. do nothing about. And they're mm -hmm. just taking this stuff to a whole new level from what Hank Hanegraaff did. Oh yeah, so definitely. I said, you know, I've got a, I've got a challenge some of these mm. things that they're saying. Mm. And uh, so I started putting videos out there and they started to get some traction. And that's how the whole thing started. And mm. my quality was horrible at first. Mm. I didn't know anything about cameras or lighting or anything. And uh, it's just like you and I have been discussing technology. You, you know, it's always, you're always learning. It's always yeah. changing. And, uh, but, but I adapt. really got, 
Yeah, it's you. You constantly have to adapt, and and uh, just like right now, the last year or so, everybody's doing shorts, mm-hmm. short videos. Absolutely, brand new. Because of TikTok, TikTok mm-hmm. became so popular. Facebook and YouTube both went to the short format, so that's the newest mm-hmm. thing. And now they're YouTube is really getting into podcasting now. Mm-hmm. But anyway, the, the thing was, uh, I got out there on YouTube and I just started. I didn't know what I was doing. I just did it, you know. And I just started learning as I went. And about 2019, I did a rebuttal to American Gospel Christ Alone. Yes. Yes. And mm-hmm. that video is what really started getting me some traction because people were looking for, uh, you know, another viewpoint mm-hmm. on what that movie was saying. And uh, it seemed at that point that I I started to separate myself yeah. from the crowd at, with a different perspective on a, a lot of these issues. Because, yeah, a lot of online, a lot of YouTube theology people are cessationist mm-hmm. and reformed and anti-charismatic and anti-word of faith. And I was offering a different perspective. Yeah. And and mm-hmm. uh, it was kind of a breath of fresh air to a lot of people out there. Yeah. I do want to say just a quick announcement real quick. I do want to remind those that are listening, like and subscribe, please. Uh, also go over to Jew in Greek on YouTube and do like and subscribe there. I do want to let you know you can access... Uh, International School of the Word, ISOW.org, and get our all-access pass. Uh, that's about $99 per month, and you get access to all kinds of range of courses. Inside those courses are included an academic approach to the Word of God that is also spirit-filled. So definitely not from the uh, cessationist perspective, not from that main line of uh, some reformed old-school views in the United States. It's more from the charismatic tradition, and yet it holds up to academic rigor. At ISO, we always strive to provide discounts and incentives for our students. Now, we're thrilled to announce our best value ever, the ISO All Access Pass. For just $99 per month, any student can access our entire learning platform. An ever-expanding library of fascinating, groundbreaking teaching at your fingertips for the average price of just one ISO course. There has never been such a prime opportunity to pursue your biblical education. Students in many traditional schools pay $100 to learn every day for every single course. With the All Access Pass, that amount gives you access to our entire course catalog. At ISO, you can learn from world-class teachers on a wide variety of subjects, all at your own pace. With the subscription-based model of the All Access Pass, there are no obligations to put yourself in debt for decades. If you're hungry to learn about the Word, there's never been a better value. That's countless hours of teaching and materials with no limit on how much you can learn. Now, more than ever, ISO is excited to connect the Word with the world. Go to isow.org to get started with the All Access Pass today. few years ago, I heard this NAR, the NAR movement. So I started clicking onto that because it started to be like a conspiracy theory that a lot of uh, the discernment channels that were reformed were throwing out there. And I I followed people that were charismatic since I was young, like Bill Johnson, Heidi Baker. Um, Apparently they threw Daniel Colinda. And uh, I can't, I couldn't believe that one. I was like, you're going to go after Christ for the nations. Uh, But (laughs) they went after C-Fan. But uh, they started taking all these people pretty much telling 
televangelist, anyone who is word of faith or charismatic and lumping them together. I remember Mm -hmm. one example that really blew my mind about their claim, and it really was attacking the preaching specific vocabulary and things that these ministers would use in their preaching. One that you talked about that Bill Johnson covers and Todd White covers. And Todd White actually tried to do a walk back because he started to hear some of the, uh, the criticism of his preaching. And it was that charismatics are preaching, specifically Bill Johnson, Todd White, that Jesus did his miracles in his humanity. Now that is true. Charismatics do preach that. But Reformed people have so strong this perspective that Jesus did those as a proof of his divinity, that they claim charismatics really are saying Jesus was just a man and became God or took on divinity. So that blew me away because I I know people, I've studied a Reformed background, and I'm like, that is somebody who does not care about representing the opposite side accurately. Mm-hmm. They're just putting their own perspective on it, interpreting it how they will, and then throwing accusations. But you actually started answering back and reading or going over the sermons and reading the material that was being quoted and twisted, and I was very impressed by that. So um, I do want to ask... What would you say is the accurate representation of the word of faith belief, and what is being said about word of faith doctrine, and about what are some of the main points that are being thrown out there, accusations? Well, charismatics believe this, believe that, by these discernment channels on YouTube. Mm -hmm. Well, I think the first thing uh, I should address there is what Bill Johnson and Todd White said, Mm -hmm. Uh, because they both made the statement that Jesus set aside his divinity. Mm Mm-hmm. When he came to earth, he set aside his divinity and he did his miracles as man. And they interpreted that as Jesus ceased to be God. Hmm. And mm-hmm. that's not what he meant. Me being Pentecostal or charismatic, I understood what they were saying. Yeah, yeah. And I, I think anybody with any ethics and common sense would have interpreted mm. it that way. But a lot of people didn't interpret it that way. They, they took it to mean something heretical. Mm-hmm. And eventually, uh, they both had to address the issue. They didn't change their theology. They just changed their wording. Mm. Instead of saying he set aside his divinity, they said, well, no, I don't mean he ceased to be God. What I mean is he he uh, set aside the use of his divine powers, his mm-hmm. divine capacity. Yeah. And But you have to understand, you know, these guys aren't theologians. They don't talk like theologians. They're not mm-hmm. talking to theological people. They're talking to people that they're sending out there into the world to lay hands on the sick and and preach the gospel with signs and wonders. And so they're not as careful in how they word things. Mm -hmm. And uh, that's where somebody like like me comes in. I, you know, I can address these things. I I do wish they would be more careful about how they say things from time to time. But at the same time, critics need to be more careful about how they represent their Mm -hmm. theological opponent's position. Yeah. Because that's just slander, you know. Yeah. When you're when you're saying this person denies the eternal deity of Jesus when they clearly don't, uh, I, I just think that's uh, that's unethical, in, in yeah. my opinion. Uh, a lot of people just throw their ethics out the window when it comes to discussing these issues. But uh, mm-hmm. getting to the point that you were raising about word of faith, what is word of faith? Uh, a lot of people use the terms prosperity gospel and word of faith interchangeably. Mm. And I that's something I've tried to address is, you know, the Bible does talk about prosperity. 
-hmm. But a prosperity gospel, I mean, I don't know of anybody that's teaching come to Jesus and he'll make you rich. I do know that that mm. we believe it, that um, prosperity and healing are God's will, yeah. but that's not a part of the gospel presentation. Jesus never uh, made anybody wealthy. Mm. He was preaching yeah. the gospel, but he yeah. did heal the sick. That's right. In the book of Acts, you don't see anybody getting becoming wealthy as a result of getting saved, but you do see people you know, being healed as the apostles preach the gospel. So, I, you know, I, I think you could make a case for healing as a part of the gospel, but prosperity, I don't know if anybody says what we've been accused of saying, come to Jesus and he'll make you rich. Um, and uh, word of faith is completely different, though. I mean, word of faith teaches that you can have what you say based on mm. Mark 11, 23. If you believe it in your heart and you say it with your mouth, you can have what you say. Mm. That's what Romans 10, 9, and 10 is all about. That's how you get saved. You believe in your heart. God raised Jesus from the dead. You confess him as Lord. Believing and confessing is all through Scripture. Mm -hmm. you know, going back to the Hebrew spot, the Israelite spies, when they spied out the land of Canaan, they said, uh, 10 of them said, we can't take the land. We're like grasshoppers in their sight. But the two that believed that they could take it because God was with them, Joshua and Caleb, they made it into the promised land. The others died in the wilderness. So you see this all through scripture. And uh, I think it's a perfectly biblical concept mm. that you can have what you say, but just like justification by faith, it's easy to straw man when people say you can have what you say. Well, then why don't you just confess a billion dollars? Mm -hmm. Well, you know, am I gonna believe in my heart that I receive a billion dollars? I don't have faith for that. I'm trying to believe, you know, for the money to, to buy a new car. You mm -hmm. know, uh, we'll, we'll start that. Because faith is like a muscle, your faith has to grow. And uh, this is what happens with a lot of people. They hear the faith message and then they just go running off you know, foolishly confessing everything in the world, and then they don't get any results, and they say, "Oh, it doesn't work." Yeah, but doesn't it? It doesn't work because you were being a pinhead. That's why it doesn't yes. work. And doesn't it say in the book of James, like James talks about, you know, if we we have not because you ask not, and he says, "Well, if you asked and you don't have, it's because you've asked with the wrong motive." In other words, mm -hmm. like you're not asking according to God's will. He said, "But if you ask according to God's will, then you'll receive it." So that mm -hmm. verse is there, uh, and I don't think that uh, there are word of faith teachers, especially the old school word of faith teachers, that would have went in the face of that. But they, but they would. I do know that they would say, and you could correct me if I'm wrong about this, but they would say, "We know what God desires. We know His will because His Word states it." But mm -hmm. then He expects us to rise up with our faith and confess and believe it. Mm. Yeah. Uh Kenneth Hagin said over and over and over that faith begins when the will of God is known. Mm. You can't have biblical faith for something that is not covered in the Word of God. Mm. We know that healing is God's will because healing was provided in the atonement. If it wasn't God's will, then why did he provide it in the atonement? And, mm. and people will argue and say, well, that was just spiritual healing. Really? Then why did Matthew <laughs> quote from Isaiah? Yeah when Jesus physically healed people. Mm -hmm. uh, because in, in the Hebrew thought, the physical healing and spiritual healing were interlocked. Yeah. I mean, they were, they were inseparable. Mm -hmm. Sickness came into the world because of sin. 
sickness and sin are connected, mm. just like the forgiveness of sin and the healing of sickness are connected. That's yeah. why Jesus told the paralytic, you know, be of good cheer, your sins are forgiven. Mm -hmm. And Absolutely. they all got upset with him. And then he said, well, so that you know that I have power to forgive sin, rise and walk. He made a link between the, the healing of that paralytic and the forgiveness of his sins. James mm -hmm. said, is there any sick among you? Let him call upon the elders of the church and then anoint him with oil in the name of the Lord and the prayer of faith will save or heal the sick. And if he's committed sin, it'll be forgiven him. Wow. So James made the connection there between the forgiveness of sins and the healing of the sick. So, yeah, I, I believe that there's plenty of biblical basis for physical healing hmm. uh, being God's will. Uh, but is it God's will for me to drive a Lamborghini? Is it God's will for me to have a $50 million jet? Hey, if you've got faith for that, more power to you. But mm -hmm. me, I couldn't justify that. Mm -hmm. I couldn't ask in faith for something that I'm not certain I even need, mm -hmm. you know? And so I think this is what James is talking about. You don't want to ask for something so that you can consume it upon your lusts. Mm -hmm. uh, you don't want to ask with carnal motives. And uh, so um, that's basically what word of faith is. It's understanding God's will based on his word and then activating God's power to bring it about by confessing and believing that you receive. Mm. It's just a, a different understanding of how faith works. It's not fatalistic. It's not just leaving everything up to God and suffering needlessly because you just you know, assume God is working out some mysterious plan in your life. Yeah. No, you know what God's will is based on his word, and you stand against the enemy of your faith, mm. uh, just like Jesus when he used the word of God in his temptation. He says, it is written. And this is a model for us to follow when we uh, in, are tempted to doubt, we're, when we're tempted in, with sin, sickness, whatever, stand on the word of God, believe it, and confess it and see the the power of God manifested on your behalf. I tell you, when you learn this principle, it'll change your life. And I'd love but to hear what's... Oh, go ahead. Oh, I didn't mean to cut you off. That That's kind of what I wanted to ask you to, to close up for this episode is when you made that step from that background into the charismatic world, the charismatic world in the word of faith, what have been the benefits that you've seen from this walk of faith, from stepping out and holding to the Word of God? Do you have some stories you could share about the power of God in your life, the gifts of the Spirit? Mm. Um, interestingly, uh, being charismatic, uh, I haven't really... Were, I haven't operated in the gifts as much mm. as a lot of people would assume that a charismatic would. I'm, I, I'm just wired differently, I guess. Mm. I, I know of people who they're not really theologically astute, but boy, they just flow in the gifts. Mm -hmm. uh, but I was always wired a little bit differently. Um, but uh, where I've really benefited is learning to stand against sickness. Mm. And, you know, I'm, I'm 66 years old. You don't get to be my age without having a few physical challenges along the way. But I've learned through the years that uh, I can... I can stand on the Word of God and walk in health. Mm. And, uh, yeah, I'm getting older. The outward man perishes, but the inward man is renewed daily. Just because my hair is turning gray 
and my skin is wrinkling and uh, I don't walk as fast as I used to walk uh, doesn't mean that I have to tolerate sickness. Mm -hmm. You know, yes, I'll, I'll get old. Yes, I'll eventually die, but I don't have to go through life sick and mm -hmm. broke and defeated. Mm -hmm. uh, so that's been a big benefit to me. As far as uh, seeing God's power manifested, the, the one story that comes to mind more than anything was when I lived in Florida over 30 years ago, um, there was a young lady in our church that went into a diabetic coma. And everybody knew that uh, she might die. And uh, I knew her family. Well, I got to know her family through this process. I knew her background, that she was uh, she was word of faith friendly. I, mm -hmm. She wasn't maybe as steeped in it as I was, but she did read books by Kenneth Hagin. I knew her family had been uh, open to this. So I went to them in the hospital. They had just gotten a report from the doctor that uh, her brainstem was swollen and that she only had a 50-50 chance of surviving, and if she survived, she would just be an invalid the rest of her life. Mm -hmm. Of course, they were upset at that report, and I got her family together with me in the chapel, and we prayed the prayer of faith, and we gave God thanks for the answer. It's not your will that she die from this. It's not your will that she go through life as an invalid. Your, your will for her is that she live in health, and live a long full life and so uh we just thank god for the healing of this uh brain injury this uh swollen brain stem well a week went by and uh she hadn't gotten any better mm. and so i went back up to the hospital to to see her and her family and i walked into her room the first time I saw her, she just looked like she was sleeping. This time when I went in, she looked like warmed over death. Hmm. I mean, she looked horrible. Her color was weird, and her neck was swollen, and I wasn't ready for that, and I almost fainted. <laughs> and I said, excuse me, I have to go to the restroom. Hmm. And uh, I needed to go to the restroom and splash water around my face and get it together. I said, I can't faint in front of these people, you know. So I walked around a little bit and uh, gathered my wits, and I went back into that room and acted like I was, you know, not phased by it at all. And uh, her mother said, well, now, Rod, if you want to pray, go ahead and pray. And I said, well, we already prayed, and I believe God heard us. Let's all just stand in faith. And uh, she said, okay. So I left, and a few days later, I got a phone call that she'd come out of the coma. Praise God. And uh, I said, cool. <laughs> and I, I went up to the hospital, and her sister was standing there outside the door as I walked uh, up to her room. And I said, how's she doing? And she had a big grin on her face. She said, don't ask me. Ask her. <laughs> I said, oh, mm -hmm. praise the Lord. So I walked in the room, and she's got the tube stuck down her throat and everything. You know, I mean, she just come out of the coma. And I said, how you doing? And she said, not good because hmm. <laughs> she had the tube down her throat and the nurse says oh, what's the matter honey and she goes and she wanted that tube out of her throat you know and the nurse said well we can't take that out until we're sure you can breathe on your own it's going to stay in there a little while longer okay she says alright and her sister was chuckling she says she's mm -hmm. a little grumpy today 
but she wasn't even supposed to be coherent and communicating at all. Praise God, that's amazing. If she came (laughs) out of that, she was going to be an invalid. Here she was saying, get this dude out of my throat. Mm -hmm. And so uh, they released her a week or so later. And, of course, she she went a couple of weeks without walking and so her muscles atrophied and everything. So it took her a while to to get back to being Mm -hmm. mobile and everything. But she came to the church, walked up on the platform and testified. She said, I'm a certified miracle. Wow. And because the doctor in in his form, the release form, uh, you're supposed to say what you treated them, what their condition was, what you treated them with and, and why they were released. And under reason for release or reason for recovery or whatever, he just put miracle case. Wow. Because when they don't have an explanation for why a patient recovered, that's what they put. And it's not necessarily a theological statement. It's just, you know, we don't know. Mm -hmm. And so he wrote down miracle case and she, she held up the doctor's report. She said, I'm a certified (laughs) miracle. And uh, a lot of people thought I was nuts when I was, you know, telling them that God was going to raise her up mm-hmm. because, you know, she was, well, they saw what I saw, you know, mm-hmm. she did not look good. And the doctor's report was not good, but God raised her up. Mm-hmm. And, uh, um, I mean, that, that's, I always think back to that when I think about the power of God uh, in hopeless situations. Well, you talk about hopeless, looking at her like that, you know, it wasn't just hopeless. It was, you know, I'm lights out, man. I'm about to faint. Yeah. <laughs> and, and that's the way you feel in the natural. So I, I, I fully understand when people are overwhelmed by circumstances, but I also understand with God, all things are possible. And I, I've seen it and I never saw anything like that before I entered into the world of, of Pentecostal mm. people who believe in miracles. Uh, it's just amazing when you get around people who believe in miracles, you see miracles. Wow. When you're around people who don't believe, you don't see them. Mm-hmm. Isn't that an amazing coincidence? <laughs> Absolutely. Well, you know, it's, it's wild that we're seeing what we're seeing in the world today. Um, and I think it could be a good thing. I think it could be a good thing for the charismatic world to have a type of, what's the word I'm looking for, a type of check, (laughs) checks and balances when it comes Mm -hmm. to other brothers and sisters in Christ who are saying, uh, what you're saying sounds really strange or off, because we may not have had that kind of, uh, those balances inside our own church systems where people are saying, hey, you need to preach and use these terms instead of those terms, say this instead of that. So I think good can come out of it. But I I think you're absolutely right. This is such a time for God to begin to broadcast the power that people have experienced in these spirit-filled circles to even groups like the Reform and the Calvinist. And that's why I was so encouraged to see your channel because of how thorough, how well thought out, uh, your arguments were, and you didn't hold any of your cards back, and you weren't concerned about uh, you weren't concerned about accurately representing the people that you were rebutting. You were wanting to understand them clearly, lay out what their views are clearly, and then lay out what what the actual situation is, the person they're accusing. It's impressed mm-hmm. me so much. I wanted to, that's why I wanted to have you on the show, because I think that uh, God can definitely use what you're doing on Jew and Greek to uh, defend exactly what you just talked about, the very real commands of Jesus, which is what he said, ask the Father in his name and believe that he's going to do it. Mm -hmm. 
and he will achieve it. Um, thank you so much for coming on this episode of ISO Insights. It's been a, a pleasure to have you, and I will remind everybody, please do go over, like, and subscribe this channel if you've enjoyed this interview, and do go over to Jew in Greek and like and subscribe Rob Sanders, his channel as well. Thank you so much, sir. You've been a great guest. It's been my pleasure, and I just want to say that I think it's great what ISO is doing, and I, I fully support you guys in, uh, in taking your teaching to the world like you're doing and uh anything i can do to help out I'd, I'd love to be there for you well thank you so much sir and anyone who's interested in uh, continuing down the the trail of thought uh that brother rods mentioned today you can check out uh, the gifts of the spirit and theology of the holy spirit on international school of the word.org that's isow.org we'll catch you guys later this has been iso insights you have a great one